This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're into the first days of March. Hard to believe opening day is about a month away. And right now we're talking Reds baseball with Mark Sheldon on this Thursday, the 2nd of March. So, Mark, thank you for joining us today. And, uh, Mark, uh, always a hot topic whenever we talk Reds baseball. That, of course, is Joey Votto. And, uh, of course, it's no secret that uh, his his defense uh, really waned last year. The guy did win the gold glove back in 2011, but uh, his defense in 2016, a far cry from that. Uh, Again, it's no secret that he's been working diligently in the field to get back to, if not, you know, where he was six years ago, uh, you know, something resembling that in the field. So kind of tell us uh, what specifically he's working on and the issues that he's trying to address and correct and hoping for a fresh start here in 2017. Yeah, it's something he talked about at the end of last season. He talked about it in the offseason that he really wanted to, to put more work in his baseball skills. He spent so much time working out to be physically ready for the season and obviously on his hitting, but he maybe let the, the defense go a little bit. So he, he did put some extra work in, in the offseason. And over here so far, it's not so much that he's doing something specifically. It's just that he's taking extra repetitions, staying late, taking ground balls. Uh, the, the ground balls I saw him taking the other day, uh, the coach was hitting the fungos his way, but they were like, to his right and he had to backhand some balls and he, he's just trying to go kind of reaching into the hole a little bit more to get to those balls that he wasn't getting to maybe so much last season. And I just think he, he just is putting just the extra effort in it that he maybe neglected, whether inadvertently or intentionally the last couple of years, uh, he doesn't like seeing his name at the bottom of the rankings and sabermetric defensive stuff, which is where it was last season. He's one, he was one of the worst performing defensive first baseman in baseball last year. And that's just not something that, sits well with him and he is a diligent guy and likes to be as good as he can in anything he does whether it's hitting or fielding or running you know we'll see if it pays off for him in the regular season yeah and this is a guy that as we've touched on in the past uh, you know he's definitely a leader by example as you said you know staying late and doing the extra work and really setting a tone for the younger guys to to follow and to emulate but uh, you know that said and th- and again this is something you've touched on in the past you know whereas uh, when he was younger he was a guy that really kind of kept to himself and maybe uh, a guy that maybe some other guys on the team were even a little bit intimidated by. But can you see, you know, not just here in spring training, but the past maybe year or two, kind of an evolution with his personality where he, he's being a little more outgoing and a little more personable and, and trying to be, you know, more of, of, a, of a teammate in that sense to the younger guys that really look up to him? In a way, I, I think the way that he's going about it is sort of similar to what Scott Rowland did when, when he was with the Reds. Scott Rowland was not a rah-rah you know, leader in the clubhouse, hey, let's one-one for the Gipper kind of guy. But what Scott Rowland did was he, he, he did the same thing. He did the extra work. He, he, he wasn't afraid just because he was a, a veteran to do all the little things of, of preparation and show the teammates that you, know, you run out every ball, you take extra ground balls before or after a workout that you put your heart into every drill as mundane and tedious as they get. And 
he wouldn't be afraid to point out to some players, even veteran players, that they were loafing on a drill in spring training and kind of call it to their attention, and, and it didn't happen again. And I think what, what Votto's doing is not quite as vocal in the sense that Roland did, but he is leading by example. And one of the things he's t- done, and he did it last season, is he really – got some credit for helping Billy Hamilton with his hitting. Hamilton had a nice second-half surge, and, he, and Hamilton credited Votto with working with him uh, and along with the coaches. And, and uh, Eugenio Suarez has worked with Votto, and he's kind of stepped out a little bit and shared some of his hitting knowledge. And that's obviously – he's an encyclopedia of hitting. He's one of the best hitters in baseball, and these players are wise to listen. And uh, he's done that. And, you know, he's just generally a personable – a little more personable. He's not. He, he kind of keeps to himself, like you said. But at the same time, he can be a very good guy to talk with. I mean, just the other day, he and I were just talking about movies, and he gave me a movie recommendation, and I went and saw Arrival, and I loved it. So <laughs> he is not like this recluse uh, guy that everyone's afraid to talk to. He, he's actually a guy you can have a nice long conversation with if you catch him at the right time, and he's a very smart person. Yeah, I think that's obvious, uh, given all he's accomplished uh, at the plate during the course of his career. And not to undermine the role of a hitting coach by any means, but if you can extract that kind of knowledge and skill from a teammate, as the Reds have this ability to do with the guy of Joey Votto's caliber, then all the better. And like you pointed out, uh, the surge that Billy Hamilton saw in the second half, uh, you know, really paid dividends for him and for the team. And that was uh, mostly thanks to the, the knowledge imparted uh, by Joey Votto. Mark, one final point to kind of wrap up uh, on Mr. Votto. It's a question more about, uh, as you mentioned, the, the sabermetrics uh, last year that ranked him at or near the bottom uh, amongst first basemen in uh, you know defensive metrics. But I don't know how much stock you personally put into you know wins above replacement. I know it's a it's a very hot topic for debate. You know how how worthy of a metric it is, and especially defensive wins above replacement. But in going on his uh, baseball reference page, I noticed last year his defensive WAR was negative 2.4, which didn't come as all that surprising considering the noticeable struggles he did have. What I did find surprising, I went back to 2011, the year he won the gold glove. His defensive war that year, and I couldn't believe this, was negative 0.6. So I look at that and I say, how valuable of a statistic is this if he ranked in the negative figures in a year he wins the gold glove? Do you, you, know, do you agree with this or are you a proponent of, of war or what's your take on it? Well, I, I can say this is that, uh, especially back in 2011, the, the metrics of sabermetric stuff was not as much of a deciding factor for managers and coaches when they voted on the Gold Glove. It is now. The last couple of years, they've added uh, that component into the evaluation process when they do vote. So uh, that might explain the that situation. But I, I think when it comes to defensive metrics, I do take them somewhat with a grain of salt. I, I think they're important. I think now, of course, with StatCast, I think we're going to understand it a lot more, uh, especially with our uh, measurements, the way we do things. But I don't think it's as concrete as it is for the offensive stuff. I think with the offensive stuff, you can, you know, you hit the ball, you, you, you get a, a certain evaluation. Even for pitchers, it's even a little easier to figure out things like ERA plus and you adjust it for the ballpark. But defense is so subjective. A guy that gets to a ball or doesn't get to a ball, like Jay Bruce's uh, range factor went down this past couple of years, and you could say, well, Jay Bruce stinks as a fielder. Well, no, it's that Billy Hamilton's one of the best center fielders of all time. Right. Well, not all time, but in the league right now. And he gets to everything. So Jay Bruce doesn't have to go as far into center field to go get a ball. So that's where I think defensive war and, and, and UVR and some of these other metrics are, are a little troublesome to, to, to put too much stock into because you, you really, when it comes to defense, I think the eye test is really 
maybe the best way. You, you use those numbers if you want. I don't think you know errors and uh, fielding percentage are very good either on the, under the old school statistics because, again, if a guy can get to a ball that no one else can get to but he flubs it and it's an error, that is really his fault. Is that at least he got to the ball. So right. it, it's, it's tough. But I, I, I think uh, the eye test, old school statistics and new school statistics can be all combined to come up with a, a proper evaluation. Yeah, that, like you said, there's so much gray area with defense, whereas with hitting and pitching, it's more concrete in terms of the numbers and yeah. the metrics. But defense, that's, you know, really not the case. And you brought up an excellent point. You know, a, a guy that he, he dives for a ball that maybe one out of 20 players can get to but then makes a bad throw, is it fair to give him an error? And that's the debate when it comes to a defensive war metrics and a debate that's going to rage on, I suspect, for quite some time. And I'm with you. As much as I love uh, the numbers and the metrics of baseball, sometimes it is a little too much a little uh, a little overwhelming and this might be a, a, a fine case of that is sometimes you just got to get out there and use your own two eyes and say that's a good defensive player or that's not a good defensive player uh, sometimes it really is just that simple uh, Mark to begin to wrap up here a few uh, aches and pains to report on unfortunately uh, let's start with a uh, Dilson Herrera he's got some uh, right shoulder inflammation uh, serious not serious what are we talking I don't think it's serious. Uh, he's been hitting with and having no trouble at all. He was examined this morning by Dr. Kremchik. I haven't spoken to him uh, about uh, since the thing, uh, since the examination, but he uh, told me yesterday he felt great. So I don't think he's expecting any trouble, and I would imagine he'll be throwing soon, if not uh, sooner, and uh, we might see him at second base before too long. Yeah, that's certainly relief. And, Mark, on the uh, pitching front, uh, both uh, Anthony DiSclefani and Bronson Arroyo ailing for uh, different reasons. Uh, Disco, some uh, right elbow tenderness, and Arroyo had a, a nasty virus uh, that caused him to lose four or five pounds. Uh, what's going on with them? I actually did talk to Disclefani after his checkup because he was also seen by Dr. Kremchek, and he told me he was uh, cleared to throw. He played catch today, and he was excited. He could not wait to get his uniform and shoes on and get outside and finally get to throw. He's been kind of cooped up, uh, unable to do anything since Monday, and uh, he's got the clearance, and he doesn't know his timetable. They haven't given him a schedule as far as when he can get into his first game. Obviously, he's eagerly looking forward to that. And Arroyo uh, finally was able to come to the complex and not be quarantined from the other players, and he played catch a couple days ago. And then yesterday, which would be Wednesday, uh, threw in the bullpen for the first time since returning from that virus, and he seems to be back on the, on the, on the mend. And, uh, again, they're going to look for a – Maybe after another you know, bullpen session, they'll look for a place to uh, insert him into the rotation so he can get going on his Cactus League pitching. Yeah, that's certainly relief as uh, anytime you get a virus like that, it, it makes uh, weak people of us all. There's no question about that. And Mark, to wrap up here as a separate feature on MLB.com, we're talking to all 30 beat reporters about their favorite road trip story. Anything that, that stands out to you from your travels uh, over the years covering the Reds? Uh, what's one that stands out for you? I've had a few good times out in the road as far is uh, I don't know if it's really game specific, but I, uh, early on when I started covering the Reds, I think 06 was my first season. Uh, the traveling party was invited to go over to uh, Capitol Hill in Washington, and not just people that were with the team, but like writers were invited as well. And, and we got a personal tour of the Capitol from Senator Mike DeWine. Uh, and he, you know, we were in his office. We talked to his aides, and then he actually brought us onto the Senate floor, the, the floor of the House of Representatives. We saw the, the little tram system that goes from house to house and it was uh, a very fascinating trip and I, that was one I kind of remembered I also remember trips to like Toronto or I always enjoy going to see obviously what it's like in Canada and 
and, and them playing there. And for whatever reason, they had to stick Javier Valentin, uh, a lifetime catcher. They were so short of uh, infielders that day because of injuries. They had to put Javier Valentin at third base, and that stuck out for some reason as, as I was thinking about that. And that was like an 08 or 09. And you just remember some of the games that were more exciting. I know it wasn't a good memory for Reds fans, but when uh, Manny Ramirez had come back from uh, being out, I think, for a suspension in his first game back as a, as a pinch hitter, for the Dodgers, uh, he had a, a grand slam on his bobblehead night off of Nick Massett, and I never felt the press box shake quite like that as it did at Dodger Stadium that night. So just some you know, things like that were always uh, just interesting. I always love things that are different when you're on the road. Sometimes the games kind of blend together, and you, you don't remember all the moments or even what, what city you're in, but sometimes uh, just certain different things stand out, and those are some of the things I thought about. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, when you're in this business, sometimes you got to ask somebody else, uh, what day of the week is it? Because, like exactly. you said, it all blends together, the, the days, the weeks, the months, uh, during the 162-game grind and perhaps 162-plus if you're fortunate to uh, cover some playoff games. And uh, so, Mark, great stuff there. That's a good place to wrap this one up on a Thursday. We'll do it again next week with our Reds reporter, Mark Sheldon. This is Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices watch at home in the office or on the go every night on every device blackout and other restrictions apply visit mlb.tv for details okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.